We're talking about your heart. How many of you have one? <clears throat> Is yours four sizes too small or? That was somebody else back at Christmas. Uh, we, we are given instruction in the word of God to pay very close attention to our heart. And let's go ahead and read here from Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, we're three weeks into this, so I will review some, some things. But in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep your heart. Everybody say, my heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. In the New Living Translation, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And notice that we are to guard our hearts Uh, But there's a lot of things that we're to guard in our life, but we're to guard our hearts above all else. And that gives us the reason because that's where life comes from. That's where your decisions and directions come from. This is where the issues of life are resolved for us is coming in uh, up out of our hearts. If the heart must be guarded, then it must be vulnerable. And, And that's why we're given this instruction to guard it. How many of you have had your little heart hurt before? And I'm not making light of that. And how many of you would, would dare suspect you probably had some things that have littered your heart before? And we need to pay very, very close attention to this. Now, Jesus, and, and we looked at this parable uh, earlier. Jesus, in one of his parables, uh, compared the heart with soil. And what we can get from that, obviously, from, from the way he taught that parable is that whatever gets planted into the soil, the soil's going to try to make it grow. So whatever gets into our hearts, what is your heart going to try to do with that? It's going to try to make it grow. And so herein is where we start to really need to guard our hearts. And we do this in a, in a number of ways here. And uh, if, that is, if, if that is our heart, well, honest, there it is. Um, if that is our heart, I was a little intimidated because first service we had a world, I'm not kidding you, a world-renowned heart surgeon here. And I thought he was probably taking exception with my anatomically incorrect diagram. But this is kind of a universal symbol here for us. And we're, we're talking about, you know, the spirit of a man, the, in, the inner core of who, who you really are. The first place that we're going to need to guard is a very proactive way that we're wanting to keep things away. I used the illustration last week that you come home, you've left the the light on by the door, and there's moths and mosquitoes and all of those things. You're going to try to get in that door, and you're going to try to keep them where? You're going to try to keep them outside, and you'll do your best, and you need to do your best, but how many of you know a few of those little guys are going to get in? And you know what they're able to do? Find you in the dark. Have you ever swatted your wife before? It's like, you know, so what was that about? You know, uh, just trying to, cause they, and they not only find you, they like to hover right here. Did you, did you ever, y'all ever had that happen? Okay. And so then, you know, I just go into full battle mode right there, you know, to, to get rid of them. But see, the same is true of your heart. You're trying to keep some things out. And as hard as you try though, especially because of the culture that we live in today, is just media saturation of things, uh, and people feel more free to talk and act in ways that, you know, previously it's like, are you kidding me? And, and those things get into the inside. And so when they get in, if I could go back to my heart here real quick, as, as they get in, these things happen, 
as soon as they get in, as soon as you're aware that they're in, the best thing you can do is to try to get those things out of your heart. And that's another level of guarding your heart. But if they get in, these things get into your heart, and you do nothing with them and you let them lie, then before long they're starting to get roots. And then if you still don't get them out, and we've talked about this, I'm just enjoying the artwork here. Uh, <laughs> then those things will spring up and they'll grow in your life. And I'm, I'm making light with this, but I'm actually trying to make a point with this. And it will grow. And some of you have a little plant. Some of you have uh, hedges. Some of you have whole forests of sequoias. You know, and, and those things can happen. But here's the wonderful thing. That ground, that soil can be reclaimed. And uh, we want to look at this. So first of all, we're wanting to guard our hearts as it relates to the present. It's very preventative. It's proactive. But then also we want to guard our hearts as far as our past. And in that, I mean things that have gotten into our heart and they're there. And so if we're going to guard our heart, you fool yourself to think I can only, uh, that I'll just be proactive. We're also going to be, have to be reactive a little bit. We're going to have to go back uh, and deal with some things that obviously are in our heart. Well, how do we know that they're in our heart? They're going to come out of our mouth, and they're going to come out in our life. And Jesus gave a whole list of things, and he said they proceed from the heart, and these were evil things. And you don't arrive on the scene preloaded with evil. It's things that have gotten in through the ear gate, through the eye gate, through life. Things get into us, and then they get into our heart. And if we don't do anything with them, or as is the case of most people, we don't know to do anything with them. You know, sometimes if something happens to you as a, as a child, something gets said to you as a child or not said to you that you needed, and you wish somebody had said to you, and that gets in, and you don't know what to do with that. And, and that's why we're talking about it today. But, you know, those things get into our hearts and they grow down roots and an incredibly complex root system and they affect our life. They grow up and they affect us. And guess what? Here's the thing. They don't just affect us. They affect other people. You've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. But guess what? Helped people, help people. And healed people, heal people. And we could go on and on and on. And so we, we want to look at this very carefully concerning not only guarding what get. Uh, 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 preventing things from getting planted or the things that just lay in our heart, but the things that have been planted and have taken root, we want to remedy these things. We want to be very active against these things. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, we read this verse last week. It says, search me, O God. Everybody just say that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And this is an invitation. You invite the search. You invite God who knows you to search your heart. And here's the reality for most of us. We probably do know some of the things that are in our heart. I think there may be a few things that you've gotten used to and it might surprise you to realize, wow, have they grown. Wow, they have spread. Well, we have a pretty, a pretty good idea of some things that might would be in our heart. Uh, and, and we've got to root those things out of our heart. And we're going to look at something particular today. And uh, I'm going to give you a big word here. Whoop, I didn't want to be green. Big word here. 
Sin. Where are we at? There we are. Sin. And sin is a problem. Now, here's the deal. Everybody has sinned. Okay, so I don't, we don't have a special section this morning for the never sinned and the really sinned. Okay, we don't have that. We, we all, all have sinned. Come on. All have sinned. And I hope you're not sitting here this morning proud of that. Man, I've outdone all of you guys, you know. Let's, let's don't do that. Uh, but everybody has Several places in Scripture says there's, there's no one that can say that he's not sinned except Jesus. He had opportunity. He was tempted like as we are, but he was without sin. But sin is the problem. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the answer. By definition, sin is to miss the mark. It's, a, it's an archery term. It's to miss the mark. There are sins of commission, things that we do, and there are things of omit, uh, sins of omission, things that we omitted, things that we did not do that we, that we should have done. And the first thing to do is to try to avoid sin, to overcome temptation. You know, you feel like saying this, you feel like doing that, you feel like going there, whatever, and you overcome the temptation to avoid sin. And sometimes that has to do with who you're hanging out with. I said, sometimes that has to do with who you're hanging out with. Because evil companions corrupt good character. I had some friends in high school. I got more, in more trouble with them than all the rest combined. You know, and there's chemistry sometimes. And so you have to pay attention to that. Uh, that's another message. But first is to try to avoid sin and to overcome temptation. And then we have isolated sin in our life. It's um, periodic sin. It's occasional sin. Have you ever done something you go, that's that's really not me? But how many of you know it really was you? Okay. But it's not your pattern. That's not like you typically. But you cannot argue with Jesus who said that came out of you though. Something set you up for that. Something fueled that. Something got seeded in you that you ended up reacting in that way. Um, but sometimes there's things that we do or say or don't do or don't say or whatever. And, and it's not, that's not really the pattern of our life. You know, you get a call, grandma's just been in a fight at the grocery store, you know, (laughs) grandma, you know, it's not like you. And then you're suspect of her. You're going to follow her to bingo next week, you know. But, you know, there are things that we do or say or whatever. And, and, and that kind of sin, it's not a pattern in our life. And what, what do you need to do with that? You need to confess it. You need to admit it. You need to get it out of your life. In 1 John 1, 9, look at this verse here. It says, if we confess, it means to admit, to say the same, to agree with God. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to what? Forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he not only forgives the sin, he cleans up around it because I'm going to tell you this, sin messes things up. Sin ruins things. Sin is corrosive. Sin is damaging. Are y'all hearing me? And so we've got to get it out. And so as soon as you're aware, don't save up and once a quarter then confess to God. Keep short accounts. 
Keep short accounts with God and, and get it out. Confess it to God. Admit it. This was wrong. I can't justify this. Don't, and don't give God excuses. And, and Father, if Jesus were here, man, this guy, Jesus would have done what I did. No, he wouldn't have. You know, and, and don't make excuses and just say, Father's wrong and it's sin and it's damaging. And I confess it to you. I admit it to you. I confess it out of my life and out of my heart. And he will forgive you and he will cleanse from all unrighteousness. That's a wonderful thing. Amen? But then there's other sin. And so let's, let's go back to my screen here real quick. There's sin that we want to get forgiveness from. And then there's other sin that is a pattern. It's habitual. It's a practice. It's a problem in your life. And what you've got to do for this kind of sin is you've got to repent. Everybody say repent. repent. Now, don't get turned off by the word repent. We're going we're gonna to visit this a little bit this morning. But we've got to repent. And, and please get this. Forgiveness and repentance are not the same thing. Okay? Forgiveness and repentance are not the same thing. And we need both. I said we need both. But they're not the same because it is possible to confess your sins and get forgiven and they go, got that taken care of and go right back. And go back go right back and do the same things again and that and if that's the case, we're going to need to get repentance in our life. And what repentance does is it uproots. It uproots what got planted and has now become a problem, you know, in our lives. Now, in Mark chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to read the verse again and watch this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, and let me just go ahead and fill this in for you. This was Jesus' message. He majored on this. He preached this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. Everybody say repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I want you to notice this. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't just say repent. He has a reason for us. He's assigning a reason. And the word literally translates repent because. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here's, here's the deal. He didn't want you to miss it. And that's why he calls us to repentance is because there's something he doesn't want us to miss. Um, I attended Florida State for a while last century. Um, and when I was there, there was, uh, and I've always remembered this, there was like this uh, kind of an open area, beautiful campus, and kind of a cross-through open area. There's benches and different things. And, you know, people get you to sign up for this club or this thing or whatever. And there were, you know, it was a good place to go sit or whatever. And I can remember times where I just started avoiding going there because there was a guy and then sometimes he had two weird friends, uh, Larry, Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl. And um, <laughs> some of you will remember what I'm talking about. But, uh, and just angry, eyes bugging, veins bulging, would yell at people in anger, repent, repent, repent. And I'm a Christian. 
at this point, but I didn't want anybody to even think I was that kind of Christian. I don't think he got any converts. And he would judge people and he talked about, you know, you with a cigarette and look the way you're dressed and this and that and just this angry message. And I have to admit that for a while I didn't want to hear the word repent because I tied it into this loon who misrepresented Jesus and the gospel. Hear me. He misrepresented Jesus and the gospel. This was Jesus' message. And when Jesus gave the message to repent, he didn't do it in anger. He did not say, cut it out. Instead, here's what he was saying. Don't miss it. Do you see the difference? It was not anger. It was passion. It was not anger. It was, it was his desire and compassion that you don't miss this. And he says, repent because the kingdom is at hand. And there's theological debate on what does that mean, that the kingdom is at hand. Does it mean it's near? Does it mean it's here? Does it mean it's coming soon? Guess what? It means all of those things. His kingdom has come and his kingdom continues to come in your life and my life. And the more that we allow him the right to rule in our life. And how many of you know there's more of his kingdom to come? And I'm telling you, there's invasions of his kingdom in lives and situations sometimes leaves no mistake who's in charge. And then there's his everlasting kingdom that is to come. And Jesus was just saying this, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it because you're looking down, you're looking around, you're going the wrong way. And I call you to repent. I call you to repent so that you don't miss the connection to life, to God, to help to wholeness, that you don't miss that because sin blocks that. Sin separates us. Sin ruins whatever it touches. And and get it loud and clear, Jesus is calling us to repent. But it's not this anger repentance. I'm so mad at you. Will you just cut it out? It's not that at all. He's saying, I love you so much. I don't want you to miss what I have for you. And you're playing with this and chasing that and going there and doing all these things. He said, don't, 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 because you're going to miss on what I really do have for you. And so what we have to do, one of the ways that we've got to get some things out of our heart to uproot them is we're going to have to repent. So let's find what repent really means here. To repent is to think differently. It's to change your mind and change your direction. Let me put this up for you here. To repent, watch now. You're going in this direction, and to repent is to turn and return. It's to turn. Everybody say it's to turn and to return. It's to change your heart. It's to change your mind. It's to change your direction. It's to change how you're thinking about this and to turn and to return. It also holds the idea to reject and to receive. So there's some things that maybe you've been receiving that you need to reject. And maybe some things you've been rejecting that you need to receive. And so what Jesus is saying is, it's all decisions and directions. You're headed the wrong way. You're thinking wrong about this. And so it's not even so much the sin. The sin is the byproduct. It's how we're thinking. It's how we're approaching things. Let me give you something from... I, I think it carries incredible weight, and I base it on Scripture... How many of you know that God will forgive you from your enemies? 
but it won't forgive you from your pets. And I'm not talking about your little animals. If there's a sin or something and you choose to make it a pet, he's not going to forgive you for that. Or not going to, he, he's not going to deliver you from that. Let me make sure I said that right. He can forgive you. He won't deliver you from that thing. You hearing me? You've got to make it an enemy. You've got to ask him for some holy hatred. Because, you know, there may be your flesh and your pattern and all your friends, but I love this. I like this. That's why I keep doing this. And you're going to have to get a holy hatred. Invite it from the Holy Spirit to start to give me a change of mind. I've got to do this. I've got to change how I think about this. This is not fun. This is not good. This is not helpful. So what I have to do is I have to change. I've got to turn and I've got to return. Turn and return to come back. And it's way more than just, please forgive me. This is much more than that. This is a solemn, determined to the core of who you are. Humble, heartfelt, with fire from the inside. A decision that I'm turning from this. And I'm not just turning from something. I'm turning to God and I'm headed back to God. I hope you're hearing me today. Because when you make that decision, and I'll I'll bear it out in Scripture here, here in a moment, what you do is you begin to uproot. You begin to uproot that thing. When you start to hate it, you'll stop watering it. When you start to hate it, you'll start whacking at it with your pocket knife. Are are y'all here? (laughs) This holy hatred is like, no, this has cost me too much. This has hurt me too much. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts the people around you because it limits you. It shuts you down and we've got to uproot this and get this out of our hearts. Can anybody say anything here this morning? Now, repentance is first of all a gift. We read in the book of, of Acts that they had noticed that God had granted the Gentiles, who previously had no relationship with God, had granted them the gift of repentance. Do you know what I think that means? I think that means it's a gift that we even can. It's a gift that we even can repent. How many of you have ever missed your exit before? And you drive, oh, I think that was our exit. And then you see a sign. Next exit, 314 miles. <laughs> we can't get there. Or I used to do this, and I don't know why I did it. But in school, I wanted to be the first guy to turn the paper in. So usually it was me and about two smart girls, you know, trying to get that paper in. Now, they may have gotten better grades, but I got my paper in first. Okay. But I can remember times, you know, you're going through it and you're looking, you're looking and you finish it all and run and put it up on the teacher's desk. <laughs> go back and sit down and you go, oh no. You remember something. Oh, go back up the teacher's desk. Could, could I, could I change? No. <laughs> there was no way to change. I had one teacher who put his hand on the paper and go, Haste makes waste. (laughs) 
Folks, listen, we've been given a gift that we can. What if you got in the wrong lane of life, so to speak, and then you realize and you see, oh, this is so wrong. But then you're told, you chose your row, now hoe it. Isn't it a gift from God that we can even turn? That we can get out of that and that we can come back? How, how many of you have had God help you with that, that before? The other thing is, repentance is something that we do. It's something that we do. Let me emphasize something. It's something that we do. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, Peter is preaching. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent. Repent. It's something that we do. David repented. David, I don't know, maybe because he thought he was king or he'd handled things right or he was exempt or whatever, had adultery and murder and lying and a number of other things all tied together. And then God sent the prophet Nathan to him and told him a little story. And he said, King, what would you do about that guy? And he said, that guy should be killed. And Nathan said, that man is you. And he goes, oh. And he didn't kill the prophet. He didn't throw a fit. He didn't say, but I'm the king. You know what he did? He repented. He repented. Psalm 51, you can read his prayer. And part of his prayer was this, create in me a clean heart. And I want you to get this, create create. And in the Hebrew, which that is written, it means create. He creates a new heart when we repent. And it's a wonderful thing then to have that fresh, clean heart that before was loaded up with some toxic, toxic stuff. And it's the result of us repenting that uproots those things out of our life. In Luke chapter 15, we find probably the greatest scriptural example of this. And I'll go over this just real briefly. And it's the parable of the prodigal son. And the son asked for his inheritance. And obviously it was a hefty inheritance. And he took it now, his inheritance, and he went to a far country and he lived, scripture says, riotously, wild living. We don't know what that was. And you be careful that you don't insert what you think it was because you're only telling yourself. Because it doesn't tell us what it is. And then his older brother, the good guy that stayed at home later on after the prodigal had come home, and we'll get to that in a moment, he's complaining to his dad. He said, this guy took the money and he went and partied with prostitutes. Well, he didn't know that. He hasn't talked to his brother. They didn't have Twitter back then. Facebook. And you know what he just did? He told on himself. He said, well, if I had that kind of money. So you be careful, very careful about this thing. Because this thing is connected to this thing. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But he went into this far land so he didn't have any accountability. So he had greater opportunity. He probably had some things in mind and now he's got his inheritance. And as is the case for so many people, what he now possessed was bigger than he was. 
And there are times where there are people, and I, I, I wish there was a better system for this, incredibly gifted athletes, musicians, artists, uh, and so forth, and suddenly they're thrust into the limelight and they've got all kinds of money and fame and, and you know, clout and everything. And as is the case usually, they don't have the maturity yet. They don't have the character yet. And sometimes if what you're holding is bigger than what you are, it'll tip you over. And we watch lives just fall apart. And that was the case with this young man. And so he goes out, and then eventually the money ran out. And so I'm sure he was probably, and this is not what I would do, he's probably partying. It, it, it implies that enough. And if he's partying, most people don't party by themselves. So he probably is partying with all his friends. And I want to guarantee you that when the money ran out, guess who else ran out? And then on top of that, famine hits the land, crisis comes, he hits bottom. He hits bottom. And listen to me, God does not author all of your circumstances, but God can use all of your circumstances. And sometimes he can use your circumstances that you authored yourself. And he can use it to bring clarity to your life and to help you to focus and help you to discover God and to discover yourself. And I get concerned because there's some people, there's certain brands of some people, something about their makeup, that unless they hit bottom, they're not going to make it. I never pray for somebody to hit bottom. I pray that they'll turn. But I've, I've just watched through the years. There's some people, they almost have to hit the bottom before. Oh, okay, okay. Because there's no margin left for them. And that's the case with him. And so now this young Jewish boy in a far land gets a job feeding pigs. And if you know anything about their culture and customs, this was, this was probably not the best job fit for him. But he's so hungry now, he's probably ready to eat the pigs. Even the pigs are eating better than he is. And the scripture says he came to himself. Listen, this is when repentance started to happen. He came to himself. And at this point, he began to turn and return. He began to turn and return in his heart and in his mind. You change the way you think and the way you're feeling. And he began in his heart and mind to turn and to return. And he said, I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against earth. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to even be called your son. But if you'll have me, I really, really would like to be one of your slaves. And so he turned and he returned and he came and that father was looking for him every day. That picture's who? That picture's your heavenly father. And he's not out there with a shotgun, let that boy step foot on my... No, it's love, it's compassion. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And he's looking for you to turn and to repent and to turn and return and to come back. And he sees him coming and it says that the father ran and fell on him and kissed him on the neck. And the son starts with his rehearsed but heartfelt speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against earth. I've sinned against you. And that's about as far as he got. And the father cut him off. And he said, welcome home. Bring out a robe and get a ring and fire up the grill. It's my number one verse that supports eating meat. Just saying. Plus the word meal, M-E-A-L, starts with M. Every, everybody knows M stands for meat. 
Okay, I digress. Back to this. But he said, rejoice and celebrate. He didn't say, go to your room. I'll be there in a minute when I cool down a little bit. He said, let's celebrate. My son that was lost is found. My son that was dead, he lives again. And let's celebrate. Do you, do you see this? Before you repent, there's part of you that's lost. Before you repent, there's part of you that's dead. But when you turn and return, when you repent, you start uprooting this garbage out of your life. And the father rejoices. Are you hearing me? He rejoices. Because here's what he did. In this moment, he restored He restored his son from what he had become back into what he was really meant to be. And when you and I repent, when we turn and return and change the way we're thinking and come back to God, let me tell you what he will do. That uproots that stuff out of your heart. And he will restore you. Listen to me. He will restore you from what you've become back into what? You were really meant to be. It's a wonderful, powerful thing. It's a gift of God that we can even do this, that we can repent and get this out of our hearts. Now, for days, I've been praying for this service and this moment in this service and what to do. And this is what I feel instructed to do, and hear me on this, is to deliver this message to you and then to pray for you. I've been in services where we're going to sing 11 verses of this song and you better come and, you know, repent. But you know what? Repentance is not about me pulling on you. Repentance is you coming to yourself. It's you getting an awareness by inviting the Holy Spirit and you being real with you and looking at what is growing in my life, what needs to be uprooted. And we'll look at some other things in the weeks to come that others have done and things have caused in your life. But right now we're talking about us and what we have done and what, what we have caused in our life, sin. And we want to get it uprooted out of our lives. And so I, like, I would like to just right now just pray over you. And if you'll just connect your heart with my prayer right now. Father, I pray for every person in this service and those that would be joining us in any form or fashion through any brand of media. And I just pray that in this time, as a result of this message and you, Holy Spirit, working with this word, that you'd work in every heart and every life and bring every one of us to a moment of truth, every one of us to a place of decision where we see what's going on. I pray that no one here has to hit bottom. I pray that we would see and know and we would change our thinking and change our heart and we would turn and return and come back to you. I thank you that your call for repentance is not one of anger, it's one of compassion. That you don't want us to miss out on the life and the plan that you have for us. And so I pray that in the next hours and over the rest of this day and in the next few days that we would have some holy times, that we would truly give you time and that truly we would give you ear and truly allow you to speak into our hearts and our minds and bring us to a place of repentance. We thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you that we're not stuck in in one lane that we somehow worked ourselves into. But you give us, you give us this gift that we can repent and come back and be restored to what we're really meant to be. 
I pray that things would be uprooted out of our hearts, that hearts and soil would thrive and be fruitful like never before, that joy and confidence would come back to people, and there'd be new growth on the inside of us that we never thought possible, simply because we've got these things out of our life, and we do not miss out on the kingdom of heaven that you have for us. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 I want you to know something. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. One of the ways that we guard our heart is we're going to have to deal with sin up front, present and proactive. But another way is we're going to have to deal with the things that are in our past, patterns, things that have gotten in as a result of sin. And as we uproot those things through repentance, that part of our heart can be healed, can be new, and begin and can begin to thrive. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you.